0: Hello, hello, and thanks for tuning in. My name is Beth Salafia, and I am the Director of Programming and Research at BioGirls. Just so you know a little bit about me, I earned my PhD from the University of Notre Dame, then was a professor at North Dakota State University for 13 years before joining the team at BioGirls. This month, as you may know, is Mental Health Awareness Month. At BioGirls, we are committed to helping girls learn about and improve their mental wellness. In fact, mental wellness is one of the four key pillars of the BioGirls program. During the month of May, we at BioGirls are doing a short podcast series to discuss mental health and wellness topics that are relevant to parents and adolescents in our community. Over the next few weeks, I'll be speaking with industry professionals in hopes to bring more awareness and understanding to the importance of mental health. Thanks to our friends at Bell Bank for making this series on mental health possible, and thank you for tuning in. Hi, everyone. I'm here today for another podcast with Dr. Erin Haugen. Dr. Haugen is a licensed psychologist in Grand Forks, North Dakota. She's the director of mental health and performance psychology at a Division I collegiate institution employed at Assessment and Therapy Associates of Grand Forks and is the founder and CEO of Haugen Performance Consulting. For the past 15 plus years she's provided mental health and performance psychology consultation services to elite athletes and teams. She also provides consultation to sports medicine professionals, mental health professionals, organizations and athletic departments as it relates to athlete mental health and performance psychology. So for our second podcast together, Dr. Haugen and I are going to talk about helping teens adopt a growth mindset in extracurricular activities. I'm very excited to be here and chatting with you again, Dr. Haugen. Thanks a lot for joining me.
1: Absolutely, Beth. Thank you so much for
0: having me on again. Sure. So to begin, what does it mean to have a growth mindset in extracurricular activities? Or what would a teen look like or be like if she she or he had a growth mindset?
1: Yeah, I, I love that question because I, I think um, not only is it important to kind of talk about what it is, but I think it's it's important to think about what that looks like too, right? Because I, I think that a lot of times when we're thinking about um, what things look like, you know, seeing them evidenced in behaviors is really important. So when I think of a, a growth mindset, um, this is usually where there's kind of things re- along the lines related to freedom to fail, um, always kind of looking about how we can grow and get better. Uh, Feedback is something that's really, we're open to that feedback, we find that feedback kind of helpful and fun. Um, So there's this real kind of environment of freedom, of safety, of curiosity, of growth. Um, And I think I I just keep coming back to that word freedom, right? Because I, I think sometimes when we have that more closed mindset, or that fixed mindset, it, it can look kind of more fear-based and and more kind of shut down and, and um, kind of hunkered in. And because sometimes that feedback might feel a little bit threatening or, or scary.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So you mentioned
0: um, fear, fearfulness and failure kind of, um, I'm going to combine those ideas and say, um, how can parents help their teens who are afraid to fail? Like if we I mean, you think about in sports, a lot of times there, we talk about like having that perfectionist attitude, Mm -hmm. right? And so we're cultivating like a group of, you know, athletes or teens or whatever, who who are afraid to fail or afraid Mm -hmm. to not be perfect. Mm -hmm. And so how can parents help teens that are experiencing this in any extracurricular activity?
1: Yeah, I, I think probably one of the first things that I think can be really helpful as, as parents is just even labeling that that's hard. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I think that there are so many emotions that can be uncomfortable or scary, um, you know, fear, failure, disappointment, I, I think is another one.
0: Mm-hmm. Um,
1: you know, I see that a lot in the, the elite athlete population that I work with. They're very, very driven humans. And and so the fear of failure is oftentimes driven by that discomfort, feeling disappointed, because that's just an unfamiliar feeling for some people, especially if they're naturally gifted and are naturally good at things. And then they bump into some spaces where they're, it is more of a challenge and it, they want a challenge, but it's also hard to not always have things come easier or be good. And so um, I think the first step is, as parents, is just, you know, even having conversations with teens around, you know, that's hard, that's uncomfortable. Um being really curious about what their experience is, what's uncomfortable about that, you know, what are some of those those fears or some of those narratives that they might tell themselves. One of the things that I hear a lot um, from from athletes, and and so I work primarily with collegiate athletes, but but I'll hear, you know, I know my parents like they don't put pressure on me, I put pressure on me, and, and so I think sometimes it can be when we see that in our, our teens or uh, people that we care about, there's that fear of like, wow, am I doing that? Am I putting that pressure on my kid or am I not putting that pressure on them? And sometimes they're very aware that it's, it's actually pressure they're creating themselves. They just, they love their family members so much that so they don't want to disappoint them. And, and so um, I think that second piece is, is really, you know, just even having conversations around why failure is good, why, why making mistakes is good, why it is helpful. Um, and modeling that as as grownups and and as adults, Um, you know, and modeling that, wow, that's uncomfortable, right? It's, it's uncomfortable to stumble, or it's uncomfortable to do something silly, or it's uncomfortable to make a mistake. And, and so I think that, you know, they can learn not only from what they hear from us, but also kind of our actions and and how we model things. And we're not going to get it perfect, right? Because I think even as, as parents, there's like, oh, my gosh, I want to model that so perfectly. I want to model like, that that growth mindset so perfectly and and we're going to forget right like failure is hard making mistakes is hard so sometimes even catching ourselves and going back and saying wow you know what i i noticed i did x y or z um and and so i think just having that as a conversation or or just a a dialogue within within um those relationships i think can be really really powerful
0: yeah i as you're talking I was going in my mind off a little bit of a tangent and you'll just have to humor me here for a second but (laughs) (laughs) so okay let's say I have a friend who has a daughter who I'm going to use this as an example because my daughter is in acro and so she does a lot Mm -hmm. of cartwheels and she's worked really hard on doing cartwheels you know both sides one-handed etc but We, she has a friend whose parents say she will only do a right handed cartwheel, and that's all she'll do because that's Mm -hmm. what she knows how to do, that's what she's (laughs) good at. So, Mm -hmm. how can these parents encourage, like, specifically encourage their child to? try that, you know, left-handed cartwheel. It's not dangerous, right? Mm-hmm. Or like the one-handed cartwheel. It's just different. And she's not good mm-hmm. at it, but you and I know that you're mm-hmm. not going to become good at something unless you, well, first of all, you have to try it. right? right. <laughs> <laughs> and second of all, you have to practice it. So she's mm-hmm. unwilling to do either of these things. So what
1: advice could you give a parent in that situation that is such a great question and honestly if I'm really transparent I was that kid who didn't like to try new things <laughs> right like I, I I was good at stuff and I was like oh, I don't know that's uncomfortable so I, I like I actually feel that on a very visceral level for 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 hypothetical kiddo Um, but but actually where more my mind goes is, okay, like, are there things that we can kind of break down, right? Or or do kind of smaller. So, so maybe not even related to a cartwheel. Hey, how about you try eating with your left hand instead of your right hand, if you're right hand dominant, right? Uh So maybe you start unrelated to sport or unrelated to that task or that growth, Uh but you can maybe build in, Kind of almost like quote unquote silly failures, like yeah. oh man, my peas fell off my spoon, oh my gosh, they're everywhere, <laughs> and just kind of laughing and, and having fun and, and having safety around that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, starting with things that are small, um, you know, if you know, maybe going out and, and trying shooting basket or shooting hoops as a basketball player, and, and you know, they're if they're an acro, you know, maybe that's not their sport, but maybe try you know, movements that maybe aren't trained. And, and the purpose is just to try new things. And, and maybe the parents do it too. Like, oh, hey, we're gonna eat with our left hand tonight at dinner, or non-dominant hand at dinner. And, um, you know, so it doesn't always have to directly be related to that thing that they're struggling with. And, and especially in a sport context, it might actually be helpful to do it unrelated to that, just to start to kind of build some mastery or some comfort around doing things that are uncomfortable. And then as you get kind of closer and start moving more toward the kind of the the acro or the cartwheels and stuff like that, are there ways that we can break it down? So mm-hmm. um, maybe there's a, a skill that might feel a little bit less scary to fail at. Um, and I don't, I, I'm not a gymnastics coach or an acro coach. So, you know, that's maybe we're even working with like the coach in tandem could be like, what's something that's kind of related, but not necessarily directly related and um, kind of work on scaffolding and, and building up those skills as they transition kind of more fully to that full movement is kind of where my, my mind goes about what could potentially be helpful.
0: Yeah, I love that. And I just, I love the simplicity of eating left handed, for example, because that's something, <laughs> I mean, if you have young kids too and you really want to develop that growth mindset, like what an mm-hmm. easy way to do it, right? Right from the yeah. back. Like yep. eat with your left hand. Um, I don't, I don't know what, <laughs> I can't think of anything else, but like do things that are just kind of silly, like right with your foot. I don't know.
1: Very, I love it. Yes, exactly. So you're already there, Beth. Like the, but really like, the, and there's something kind of fun about that, right? Like kids yeah. love silly things, right? And like, and, and I think that there's, it starts to kind of make it less scary and almost more fun and kind of more curious around like, Hmm, what might happen if I do try that? Right. Because I think what happens is we just kind of get so wrapped up in our head and our emotions. And, you know, kids have a hard time sometimes even labeling that stuff. ups do. So, you know, I think sometimes just even being able to kind of just experiment with stuff that's unrelated can be really powerful.
0: I'm going to push you a little bit farther and I'm sorry. <laughs> for this, but...
1: <laughs> I love it. I love it.
0: <laughs> so some of these cool, fun things like, you know, writing with your foot, eating left-handed, they're great. And like, I want to try them because I'm, you know, I'm like a kid at heart and like, I want to try and I I, like failing is not, it is scary, but like, I'm okay with it. And I'm okay with showing people that I can't sing and you know, whatever Mm -hmm. the case might be. But what about like when you're a teenager and Mm -hmm. like, I'm sorry, mom, but like, it's not cool to eat with your left hand. Like, I'm not going to do that. That's just too goofy. (laughs) So what do you do in that situation where like you, you've kind of passed the mark for like the silliness, you know, the, the, the trying and failing and like, you know, you're going to fail and it's okay. And you're like more in that serious, like I'm a rock star. I am, you know, an athlete. Like I am not, I am a teenager. Everyone's watching me. And you know, Mm -hmm. like I can't do these kinds of things. So what, In addition to talking to them and having those discussions about risk taking and and discomfort and failing and and things like that and and eating with your left hand, drawing with your feet, what are some Mm -hmm. ways that you can specifically approach someone who's maybe in high school?
1: Yeah, I I love that question, right? Because I because I think right in in a perfect world we'd all be okay with silliness. But when I I went back to like adolescent me and I was like, "Mm, Yeah, she wasn't gonna do that. No, no, not at all. No, no. Um, you, you know, I think one of the benefits of of adolescence, right. Is we can, we can also have more conversations with them around stuff. It can be more kind of a, a discussion around, um, and and again, it it might be the parent who's, who's going to have this discussion. Um, I actually am in the wonderful position of being fun auntie actually. So (laughs) sometimes I'm the safer one to have the discussion. Mm -hmm. Um, I'm not the parent. So, you know, sometimes I, I have such empathy for parents because I I, like literally see the adolescents being like, oh, really? Do <laughs> we have to talk? Yeah. Um and so in an ideal world, that that would be something that that, you know, we would be able to do as parents, but it can also recognize that, you know, maybe that's not something they would feel comfortable starting to have the conversation with the parent, not because the parent's doing anything wrong, but because it's, you know, developmentally appropriate. Mm-hmm. Um so maybe if there's a, you know, a family member or a family friend or a coach that can start kind of initiating some of those conversations. You know, I think about like bio girls. That's one of the cool elements of bio girls, right? Like you have mentors and and people that 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 work with with youth who can can kind of, you know, maybe have some of those conversations or kind of throw some of those things out there. And so um, you know, I think anything that we can do to start kind of poking around to see kind of what are they scared of. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and you know, I, I think when I think about adolescent development and adolescence um, it's so much of it is planting seeds and so much of it we we really feel like sometimes adolescents are not hearing a dang things thing that we're saying but they really are Mm that they they really do Um, and so much of having those conversations is just us having patience Mm -hmm. and almost like dropping messaging around Um, you know maybe if they're not comfortable talking about stuff maybe they're more comfortable texting about it or writing about it
0: right kind of meeting um, them where they're at
1: right absolutely absolutely 100 and and so um just even us having kind of a almost a growth mindset and a flexible mindset around how that's done I think can be really helpful too mm-hmm.
0: yeah I, I I absolutely agree and I you know I think that there are different ways that we can communicate with adolescents and I, I like the idea, you know, like, like they, they say too, um get them when they're a captive audience, right? So like, yes, far from driving home from school, you know, like, you don't mm-hmm. have to make that eye contact you, you know, yep. they're sitting there, there's nothing else to do. So you might want to take advantage of some of those time opportunities to just mm-hmm. have a quick conversation and then, you know, move on. And another thing that you said earlier that I want to kind of come back to is being a role model. So mm-hmm. and you said just now that we say things to our teens and we, we're not sure that they're even listening in one ear, out the other, but the fact is that they do hear and they mm-hmm. do see. Okay. So what you do as a parent is also affecting what, what they do as a teen. Mm-hmm. too. So if you're afraid to fail, like if you're afraid to, you know, go out rock climbing or whatever then why would they do it because you think you're gonna suck at it so why would they go and try Mm -hmm. basketball when they're a gymnast because they're gonna suck at it too so
1: Mm -hmm. really
0: um you know paying attention to what you say and what you do, I think is, a, is really good advice for a parent. Mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it's actually, you know, I think just even some sometimes slowing down and just even noticing that it, it, it's really surprising, actually, when we think about doing that as, as adults and as parents. Mm-hmm. Um, because I think even myself, where I work on that on a regular basis, I'll even catch myself putting limits on myself and being like, whoa, hold on, wait a minute. <laughs> it's, it's just part of almost kind of our culture in some ways, you know, I, I don't know that we always have a culture that rewards failure and mistakes nice. and kind of growth and stuff like that. In, in the same way, some other cultures might. And and so um, part of it, I mean, like, there's no judgment. It's just like, that's just the environments that we're in. And and yeah. so I think even us just slowing down and, and just checking in about like, hmm, what, what, how might I be sending the message that I want to, or maybe not want to sometimes. And, you know, how could I shift that? And, and, us having that growth mindset around kind of what we learn, I think is so powerful.
0: Mm -hmm. I agree. So I'm going to switch gears just a little bit now, um, from the fear of failure to more about accepting feedback and criticism and what that looks like. So, um, it's hard for most people, I would say to accept any form of criticism, even Mm -hmm. with the best intentions. So when we think about teens, um, especially when it comes to coaching and things like that, how can parents help their teens learn to accept feedback um, without viewing it as a personal attack or without Mm -hmm. viewing it as a negative? Because so often we hear, oh, why don't you try this? And it's like, oh man, I'm terrible at this. Yes. (laughs) That's that's where our mind goes. And that's not what the (laughs) coach or the teacher or your parent is saying. It's just like, hey, here's a new strategy or like, here, try this. You know, this will help your speed or or whatever it is, Mm -hmm. but it's not- internalized as constructive feedback. So how can we kind of change that mindset?
1: Absolutely. I I actually, and I might take it a different direction than you might anticipate, maybe not, I'm not sure, but um, I would actually start with the emotion behind that. Right. Because I think so often, you know, when we think about feedback, what will we and we give feedback and someone doesn't receive it. What do we tend to do? We say it again, but louder. Mm-hmm. A- and I think when we see them kind of having that reaction, I think it's also about slowing down and being like, oh, yeah, wow, that that seems like it's wow, that that seems kind of frustrating. Yeah, I can see that you're frustrated or yeah, I can see that wow, that, that doesn't sit quite right. I'd love to know a little bit more about kind of what you're thinking and feeling. And um, I think the more that we can kind of validate just whatever emotions they're having, yeah. um, because there's something about that message that felt scary. I, I think so many of these reactions are fear-based. Um, you know, I think, I don't know if we've, we've talked about this before, but, but like anger and anxiety are, you know, two sides of the same coin. And, and so some people kind of go more internal. Some people go a little bit more external um and so I think just even slowing that down to just even kind of label like wow I see you and I see that that's hard and um and it's so challenging because we we want to just explain the feedback better and because it's like oh no they're just not understanding it because it's really good feedback and if I just help them understand and the, the reality is is that that moment it's not about logical understanding it's just about emotional safety And so I think the more that we can just kind of, again, meet them where they're at regarding the the emotional experience, I I think that that's actually kind of lays the groundwork for kind of opening up. Um, And I think along those lines, a a phrase that I love to use is strike while the iron is cold. You know, that moment might not be the best time to have additional dialogue about that, but you can always go back to that when the emotions have settled down. Um, You know, when we're really activated and having a hard time, Um, for all of us, right? Like we're, we're going to hear things a little bit differently. We're going to see things a little bit differently. And for some reason, or some, for some, for some people that feedback can just kind of activate a a flight or flight response. And, and they're just, they just need a little bit to just kind of settle in and calm down.
0: Yeah. That's really good advice. And, and you're right. I think that was taken in a, in a slightly different direction than (laughs) (laughs) even think about, right? Cause you're like, just take the feedback. Okay. It's good feedback, but right. <laughs> just harp, you know, like keep saying yeah. it. It's good. It's yeah. good. But really, like you said, at the moment's hot, like,
1: mm-hmm.
0: of course, it's going to be interpreted negatively. Mm-hmm. Of course, it's going to like, they're probably feeling like, oh man, like you're right. Like, I know I could have done that better. Like, I already know that I was yes. terrible it, so like, why do I need to hear? So maybe just be like, waiting for that cool down to have that conversation when they're more yeah. receptive to the, the feedback I think that's a great a great tip actually for parents to use too I mean yeah. when kids teens whatever do something wrong they know it and yeah. so um sometimes it's not great to you know sit there and harp on it and tell them well this is what you could have done better um right. since they're already aware of that fact and so they're already heated
1: yeah um, that's yeah. a
0: really
1: good, a really good parenting. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, you know, you had mentioned something too, actually, Beth, about like the car rides and stuff like that, and and so I think it's also, you know, even thinking about like post-event car rides and being really intentional around, um, you know, I actually would recommend, you know, I think car rides home from school and stuff like that, like they're a captive audience, absolutely. Car rides after a, an athletic event, I actually would talk about other things. Yeah. Because I think a lot of times athletes or or youth participating in sport that can almost be an anxiety provoking thing because that's where parents are going to do the debriefing talk about other things like and and you can you can always have that conversation later or maybe a different car ride um but but i think just let kind of those emotions settle and and just kind of let the dust settle because you're spot on beth like kiddos people know you know whether they're talking about young kids or adolescents like they know like they they know if they didn't do the way that they wanted to or they know if if you know things didn't go the way that they were hoping and and so sometimes we just kind of have to let the emotion settle in and let the process settle down yeah i think we all know
0: people or maybe we are these people ourselves that mm-hmm. it does take a while to process mm-hmm. things too and mm-hmm. if you didn't do as well as you thought or mm-hmm. as you could or even if things didn't go as expected like i mm-hmm. there have been times for me that i come home after you know doing an event or or mm-hmm. work or whatever and things just didn't go the way I expected and I'm mm-hmm. like wow like what just happened and people are like oh how was your day I'm like good yeah. <laughs> you know like that's yeah. about yeah. all you say until like 30 minutes later when it all yeah. comes spewing out you know like yes then, like I've processed it I'm like wow that was really terrible like here's what I have to say about it so um, I I get that you know I that makes a lot of sense to me. So just maybe as you're driving home, be like, hey, did you have fun? You know, that's what yes. one thing that I would like to say rather than like, hey, how to go? What was the score? I'm like, did you have fun? Yeah. Okay. Well, let's talk about what to have for dinner now.
1: <laughs> yeah. <you> <laughs> I have a friend. One of the things she always likes to ask is, what did you learn? Yeah.
0: Yeah, and, and, you
1: know, that, that sometimes, or what did you learn or what, what new thing did you discover today? Or, you know, like that. there's a, just a bunch of different kind of creative questions that we can ask and yeah. focus on growth, learning fun. And that's another one of my favorites to have fun or like what, what part was fun or yeah. um, that, that's such wonderful information. And it helps them reflect on, on other aspects of their experience instead of just performance and achievement.
0: Right. Absolutely. Oh man, lots of good stuff here, Dr. Hogan. Thanks. Uh, I mean, (laughs) stuff that applies, I think, to extracurriculars, coaching, like even just like just life. I mean, just picking up your, your, your child from school, just having a conversation. Like these are all really good things for, for parents and adults to remember. So, um, I would listen to this podcast a few times and take some notes, you know, I think it's, it's chocked full of good stuff. So lastly, um, Just for our listeners' sake, I was wondering if you had any resource recommendations, any books that you really liked or online sources that um, we could turn to
1: for more information. Yeah, so um, actually a couple of different resources that I wanted to share with all of you. Uh, One is the Association for Applied Sports Psychology. Um, There's a... um, page on their website that that has information for parents um, coaches you know if if any of you are also coaches for athletes there's just a lot of good information on that website Um, just kind of breaking down some some sports psychology performance psychology concepts which I think can be really helpful um, the other part is if you want to kind of dive more into the growth mindset concept, um, the 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 original book is or the book that that we often talk about in sports psychology is written by Carol Dweck, um, called the Mind- Mindset: The New Psychology of Success, and um, it's a great read. It's a it's it's not an overly academic read at all. It's it's a it's a well written, um, approachable book. So if you want to kind of dive more into those concepts, I, I think that that actually can be a great way to do that.
0: That is. Great. I love that book and I recommend it too. So So everyone go out and buy that book. You can get it on Amazon or or the library too. So um, thank you, Dr. Haugen. And thanks so much for another great conversation. It's it's fun to talk to you. You have lots of great insight. Um, Before we officially say goodbye, I wondered if you had anything else you wanted to add or a a general take-home message for our listeners?
1: Yeah, and I think this is probably going to be a similar take home message that I, I used last time or, or, or not. I, I, I have some take home messages that always kind of just resonate with me. And, you know, I think it just goes back to, you know, just remembering to have compassion and, and, you know, you know, not only compassion for, for teens and youth, but I think really importantly for ourselves, mm-hmm. um, you know, giving ourselves grace as we're navigating these waters and, um you know, emotions and relationships and, and humans, it's all important stuff. And, um, we're going to stumble, we're going to bump, um, we're going to, we're going to do it quote unquote wrong sometimes. Mm -hmm. And, um, that's all of us kind of learning and growing. And and so I think it's, it's just that, that reminder that you'll probably get from me in many different ways over time, um, to really just kind of have some compassion for, um, for others, but, but really importantly, ourselves. Yeah. I second that as well. So
0: I <laughs> <laughs> like to say too, like you, you be kind to others, but also be kind to yourself. It's very important. Mm-hmm. So thank you so much for being here and um, stay tuned. Maybe we'll have a third podcast. Oh, there
1: we go. Beth. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Well, I appreciate you. And thank you so much for having me on again. Definitely happy to.